Welcome to episode four of the CX Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Justin Tippett, and today I'm very excited to be joined by Dr. Amy Morgans, Executive Director of Operations Support at ESTA. Now, you're probably wondering what the hell Esther is. Well, I certainly was. So first of all, Dr. Amy, welcome. Thank you. Um, acronym, Esther. So it's the Emergency Services Telecommunications Authority. So effectively, that makes it a, a government department. Um, and in Victoria, we have an unusual model where they have centralised all the call taking and dispatch for emergency services. So we really have five customers. We have um, Metropolitan Fire Brigade, the Country Fire Authority, the Police, the Ambulance and State Emergency Service. So we take all their calls and dispatch all their resources from a centralised organisation. And that's us. So if I call triple zero, bang. That's correct. So given uh, you take all the triple zero calls uh, for Victoria, I'm guessing things might get a little bit busy here on occasion. Walk me through some of the numbers. Well, on average, um, so 7,000 calls a day, about just over half of that is police, a third is ambulance, and the rest are our smaller services. Um, so it does get pretty busy. We have three big communication centres, and we have good um, redundancy between those centres. So the whole point of having three is that we can, um, you know, if one centre is in, under any sort of threat or stress, we can divert to the other centres. So um, at our three centres, we have um, specialised call takers for police, fire and ambulance broadly. Um, but we also have about half of our call takers are multi-skilled, so they can take various services calls. So that's really helpful for us. And that's a real advantage of centralising is that we can actually use our workforce in lots of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. So where, where are the three centres? We're obviously, uh, we're doing this podcast uh, live from your, uh, what would you call this, Burwood Centre? This is Burwood. Yep. Um, and this is also where our corporate support office is as well. So we have um, the Burwood office. We've got a call centre in uh, the World Trade Centre. Um, which is where Victoria Police are based and we're actually the floor above the Special Operations Group Armoury <laughs> and we found that out when they tried to adjust their armoury to fit different guns in there and they used a jackhammer and we couldn't hear any calls <laughs> so we had to sort that situation out. The third location we have is up in Ballarat um, so there are actually quite a, a number of government departments now they are based in Ballarat as part of the regionalisation plan for Victoria um, so we're very excited that we've got a, um, a big centre up there and we've been there for quite some time. So. Terrific. So about 7,000 calls on average a, a day, three centres. What, what sort of size workforce have you got across sort of all three centres, I guess? So our operational workforce is about 680 people. Mm -hmm. um, they're not all full-time. So it equi equates down to about just 500 full-time FTE. Um, we've got about 680 staff, of which about uh, 300 or so are single service and the rest have more than one service. And our special um, specialised, if you like, our crack team call takers. Yep. They can take any service and there's about 70 of those. Right, okay. So that gives us just the right amount of flexibility so we can um, manage our workforce when pressures change. So sometimes it's, uh, we certainly have time of day and day of week trends. Yep. So it's much busier in police on a Friday night than it is on a Monday morning. Um, whereas ambulance tends to have a 9am peak when people go to the GP offices and their nurses at nursing homes do the rounds. Um, and find people are sicker than they thought. People have waited through the weekend to um, get access to healthcare. So we do see an earlier um, time in the day peak. And of course, fire and SES are, tend to be incident based. So quite most of the time, but when something happens, gee, does it happen? Yeah, I could, I could imagine. Yep. Um, so it, you talk about some of the trends that you see there and, and time of day, et cetera. Uh, what, are there any other factors that you've noticed? I mean, we obviously collect a huge amount of data. Uh, have you noticed any other trends that sort of come through over time? Yeah, so one of the specialist areas that's in my division uh, is our performance forecasting. So we use the traditional work um, workforce uh, management tool of Erlang C. So we actually track 
um, and to, to calculate how many people we need to answer calls. Um, so we do really good forecasting, so down to 15 minute splits. Of course, we're 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So um, we have a goal to have um, a variance between what we thought, what calls we thought we'd get and what we actually get. So we call that a performance variance. Our performance variance needs to be less than 8% as a corporate goal, but we get down to 4%, which means that every 15 minutes, we're pretty closely able to tell you exactly how many calls we'll get for each of those five agencies. Which is pretty impressive. And obviously, LNC is great for, for predicting random uh, uh, call patterns. Um, but that said, you still can't predict when someone's going to have an emergency. So to get it within 4% is you, you pretty impressive. I mean, you can't predict emergencies, you're right. I can't tell you who it is or, or geographically. We don't do much geographical here because, of course, we're centralised. So each agency does its own geographical mapping of pressure points. And, of course, there are regions of Victoria, for example, that have high level of drug problems for police. So they're actually able to map that. There are um, crimes that take place at certain times of day when it's darker. Um, and there are, you know, um, there are lots of different pressures. The other big pressure for us is weather. So we've invested a lot of time in the last 18 months in understanding weather. Um, we jokingly call our forecast guy now Lavinia because he's <laughs> able to tell us exactly what's happening. Um, but actually the weather has a huge impact on uh, call volumes across our agencies. So um, extreme heat has a very big impact, particularly on the elderly. Um, and they're obviously a very big and important and vulnerable part of our population. So extreme heat um, is something that we um, take very seriously and we know we'll have a large health response to. Um, but also when it's extremely hot, people have a nice cold beverage. Um, so we get a lot more alcohol consumption and that has its own consequences. Um, people are out in public more, there's more people in beaches and oceans. So um, there's all number of things change when it's particularly hot. Similarly, when there's big storms come through, we know there's always traffic problems. And like anything, um, traffic problems have their own um, consequential impact where you get a traffic, so therefore there's a traffic jam behind it, so therefore people try and go around it and have secondary accidents. So um, we know that storms you know, certainly have impact on traffic, they have impact on infrastructure, um, trees into buildings. Um, so we, we certainly track those and we're getting very good at predicting not just when a storm's happening because BOM can tell us that, but what is the impact and consequence for emergency services of that storm? So when is a storm, you know, the, the Bureau of Meteorology warnings are things like it's a, it's, what's the difference between a blustery wind and a, a damaging wind? Um, so we, we know, and, and geographically, where are there more trees that's going to cause more problems? Also does things like take out uh, telecommunications towers, uh, phone towers and mobile, mobile coverage can be impacted. So, so we certainly, when we're planning our demand, we take into account our standard business as usual call patterns and we've got, as you say, really good long-term data that tells us that what happens time of year, time of day, day of week. And we add in weather, we add in significant event planning and that looks a bit different than you might think. So certainly, you know, the races and New Year's Eve and school holidays is one thing. You think about that we've got an upcoming election, so every person in this state has to get to a local primary school and vote. And that's going to create a whole different pattern of people movement at state level that we don't see any other time. Yep, yep. So 25,000 people actually have to manage voting um, stations and there's lots of movement. So there's lots of police overlay. Uh, there's lots of emergency management planning. There's lots of rules around if an election voting centre is not available for a certain number of hours, we have to do a state level emergency or diversion thing in place. And therefore there's consequences for us and for how that gets managed. So. Um, we certainly have a lot of event planning, weather watching, um, and we plug all of that in. 
and our goal is to have every second every call answered within five seconds. Um, five seconds is pretty quick. It's very quick. Um, and, and I remember you uh, had the, the luxury of seeing you present, I think it was last year. Um, was. And uh, I think you were also talking about uh, it was just something uh, being Victorian, of course. Uh, footy has a big impact on your volumes uh, as well. The footy, the footy, any time. Uh, actually, the largest civil disturbance this state has ever had was the drawn AFL grand final with uh, with Collingwood. I forget even who they St. were Kilda, versing. Yeah. Collingwood Saints, there you go. Yep. Um, so that's actually the largest civil disturbance we've had, of course. Um, uh, but even, yeah, the footy, um, sporting events, large concerts. I went to the last Metallica concert, I have to say, and uh, <laughs> it wasn't actually that wild, probably because everyone that likes Metallica is a bit older it's now. aged a bit, yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, different, different concerts, different sorts of festivals. I mean, the other thing with festivals and music um, events, for example, is that they're in regional areas, um, there's not a lot of resources, the travel times are a lot longer, so mm. even if you had, you know, St John's um, monitoring the health and wellbeing of people there, you know, an ambulance transport is a very long job, you've got a long transport there, long transport back, and it takes up, you know, a regional resource. Yep. Um, so so the, the consequences of these things are that um, it's harder to dispatch scarce resources, so our goal is always to answer phones very, very quickly and triage. And triage applies to, to um, public safety as well as health. Um, we really need to know who are our most urgent people that need the most urgent help. And from that, then we can uh, give out the resources. So the way we give out resources or allocate out some of these jobs is all based on the business rules of our partners. So Victoria Police tell us exactly how they want jobs given out and that's exactly how we do it. And similarly, ambulance do the same and fire do the same. So. We don't get to, we don't have a lot of discretion at Esther about how those things happen. Yep. Um, but we, what we have is therefore a lot of equity in that people come in, they get triaged, they get the resource allocation. And for us, unlike other call centres, I mean, the job's not over once you hang up the phone. The job's not over until the emergency services close the job. So there's that bit between when you've answered the call and for some call types, we'll stay on the phone until the emergency services are on scene and some we won't. Yep. Then there's the dispatch phase where the resource has been allocated and there's a period of time where the caller can call back or we can reach out to them to do a welfare check while they wait for the resource to arrive. But even then when the resource is on scene, our dispatchers have a responsibility to continue to communicate with those crews and make sure that the agency, for example, Victoria Police, know who's been loaded to what watch house um, or, you know, for the ambulance service, who's been loaded to what hospital. And then we monitor them even them while they're rammed at the hospital and we monitor the fleet. Okay, so there's, um, that might be a bit of a difference between our call centre and others, uh, is that the work actually has a little bit of post-call phase as well. Yeah, well look, it's actually, oh, I've, a, I've got about a thousand questions just on the stuff you said already, so uh, I'll, I'll try not to uh, bombard you. Um, I'll, I'll stick with the resourcing for a second, then I'm mm -hmm. going to switch to all that stuff. Um, at the end of the day, you're a call centre, obviously, mm -hmm. um, and there's call volumes that come in, and you've got to manage that peak demand. And as you said, you, you obviously do a huge amount of work, more than probably most contact centres today, around uh, you know modelling the base levels and overlaying that with weather and events and all that sort of stuff you spoke about. And you've got 500 odd full-time staff, and you've got some cash. How do you handle the flex? Because I can imagine you know answering every call within five seconds is not an easy target. And, and these are life and death situations, yep. literally. So it's not like, oh, well, sorry, guys, but it took three minutes. Um, you know, how do you actually flex? Like, how do you get those extra resources when you need them? So exactly right, Justin, in that um, we have to be very careful and very clever about it because the risk of not answering a phone for us is very great. Mm. Um, so we have three layers of workforce management. The first is that um, 
about uh, we, we have a group that monitor the next 18 months and they make sure that there's actually enough leave for everyone to take. So we have normal workforce pressures. Everyone's going to take some leave. About 16 people are going to have babies. It's a bit like the lottery here that every year we have babies and it's very exciting and we're glad, but then we have to cover mat leave and all the other leave types. Um, so that happens with an 18 month view. We then have a team that specifically focus on the next three months and that can then take into account your large scale events. Um, you know, there's a lot of police operations that happen um, that aren't visible to the public that we then have to staff for and manage internally. Um, so that takes into account any events, um, any particular pressures on leave. So school holidays is always one and, and any standard public holidays and that sort of stuff. Um, and then we have um, a real-time desk, which is a today, tomorrow, um, today, uh, live crack team. So they're actually sitting there looking at call routing strategies. So if you think about five seconds, um, you can't put out a message for overtime and get people in to sit in chairs yep. to answer calls. If you have a problem, you have a now problem. Mm -hmm. So the real-time desk monitors things in a live environment. And the very first thing that can happen is we compress a recall from breaks. Um, so everyone works 12, or most people work 12 hour shifts here and every 90 minutes they have a 30 minute break. It's pretty exhausting and you're talking for a lot of time yeah. um, and the work's pretty hard. Yep. So every, th every 90 minutes they have a 30 minute break. So we always have a quarter of our staff on breaks. So we can very quickly recall that quarter of our staff yep. for in within 10 seconds. Um, so that's our first protocol always, um, but we don't like disturbing people's breaks. They have a break because they need a break. Um, so we can recall from breaks and that gets 25% immediate uplift. The next layer is that we can actually, within each of our three centres, there is a bunch of operational people doing not operational things. So I can pretty quickly recall another 30 people at three centres. So that's 100 extra staff yep. within about five minutes. Yep. So if you think about incidents we've had like, for example, Burke Street, the call taking part of that was all done and dusted in about 25 minutes. Yep. Yep. Okay, so as soon as the ramp up occurred, lots and lots of calls from in the CBD. So again, that recall of breaks was hit. We immediately got 25% extra staff at all three centres. And then we hit the next button, which recalled people that are operational, doing non-operational things. So that's things like training. That's things like uh, in the operations support area, a lot of our staff uh, remain uh, operationally skilled for exactly that in our surge environment. So we would only put out overtime and call in extra staff for things like thunderstorm asthma, Black Saturday, things that go for a few hours, or that we can plan ahead. Like we know a heat wave's coming with 10 days above 40 degrees, therefore, okay, let's look at rostering and scheduling lots more people on for that period. Yeah. Um, so that's generally how we respond to surge. Do you have a, um, a work from home workforce or is everyone have to be on site? Everyone has to be on site. Um, if you think about the software that our call takers are using, um, it includes access to the police law enforcement program, which is LEAP, which is what the Victoria Police use. It includes records about people, records about um, incidents and sites. So that's not gonna be ever released outside of a geocached environment. Yep. Um, but also the, the future might um, include a space where like Nurse On Call, we can provide that health triage um, moment, but I think that the the current um, technological environment that Esther has mm -hmm. doesn't really offer a large amount of remote workforce. Um, it is possible that in the future that it could, 
um, at the moment we don't have the technology to mitigate any risk of yeah. non-connected in people. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Um, um, just final question on the workforce um, that management side of it. You said you've got sort of the three teams, if you like, looking at different time frames. How, how big is your workforce management team? Because it's obviously critical to your operations. Twelve people. Twelve. Twelve, okay. So yeah. we have, again, those three layers of people um, are all within the workforce management team. Um, so we've got a boss, we've got um, a team of real-time desk staff. So again, because they provide coverage um, from 5.30 in the morning, so they take all the calls for sick leave and arrange replacements or shuffle people around. Yeah. So they're there from 5.30 till 9.30 p.m. So that means overnight really nothing happens in that's going to change the following day. Um, so we therefore have some um, casual and part-timers that cover that for seven days a week um, so we can manage immediate pressures on workforce. Um, we have obviously um, the, the RTAs, one of the, the, the people that do the next three months, one of our challenges is that people work here, it's a bit like a family. So when someone gets married, a whole team needs to have a shift off. Yep. We also have things like Junior Triple Zero Heroes, which is a um, communications event where we reward our young callers to Triple Zero. And we you know, take them to Parliament House or Government House or somewhere fancy. We put on an ice cream stand and we give them a badge and celebrate that they've called. And we use that for a lot of PR work. Um, and again, they get paired up with the call taker they spoke to. So they get right. to see the human person they spoke to and they get to listen to their call and talk about their experience. So again, for us, that, that means we have to give 50 people a day off. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so we manage that most of our shift swaps and that sort of thing. So there's always something that um, those three or four people have to try and, uh, and get through. We are very excited that one of our real-time uh, people has announced that they're expecting a baby. They, they sat on that seat and that's one of the 16 people this year at Essendon that's going to have a baby. Um, so we're very thrilled with her and I'm very panicking about what we're going to do with her <laughs> for 12 months. Well, it's um, good to see you have the usual problems that the rest of us in contact yeah. center world have. Um, let's talk about um, staff. Mm -hmm. uh, the work you guys do is just incredible. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is literally life and death and, and I've, you know, you've shared some of the calls that the guys have had to take and some of them, you know, I struggle to compose myself when I listen to them and I'm not even taking the call. So yep. they're, they're incredibly tough. Um, I guess, first of all, how, how do people get to work at it? So it takes a special type of skill, I'm assuming, but I might be wrong and maybe you teach them all those skills. So how do you actually get someone in, in the door and working on the phones? So the, what makes a good person to work at ESTA is someone who can uh, follow process quite well, even when the, the facts and information around it's pretty emotional. So really what we're trying to do is, is put our best effort into making sure we understand the situation enough that we can give our agency partners an idea of the priority and the urgency and the risk, and then they can arrange a, a response um, as quickly as possible. So um, it needs to be someone who can be a little bit bossy. They need to be able to take control. They need to be able to give good directions and they need to be able to listen really hard. Um, chaotic scenes aren't as common as you think. Um, so uh, the, the hardest calls to manage are regardless of what the call type is. If there's 20 people all trying to save somebody, yep. that is definitely hard. Yeah. Uh, it is hard because you, you can't, you're not physically there and you have to just use your voice mm. to try and um, be authoritative enough that they know that you're the person to listen to at the time. Yep. Um, so the right people for Esther um, really are people people. Yep. Um, they're um, people who are willing to follow a process even when things are chaotic. Um, I joked, so I obviously uh, 
did call taking and dispatch myself. Uh, it was quite some time ago, I won't confess to when. <laughs> um, but in my interview I said, because I'm the second oldest of six kids, I'm used to you know marshalling the troops, yep. that maybe that would make me a good person. Yeah. Um, so there are, there are skill sets where um, you have to have the right amount of empathy and understanding that you know people call up with all sorts of things and you may be sitting there wondering why it's an emergency but actually it's an emergency for them so it's an emergency sure. it's about uh, giving them that help so you mentioned that people people uh it makes perfect sense and someone that can take control how do you test for that in recruitment uh, do you use an agency to recruit yourself and then yeah what's sort of the process we do all the recruiting in-house yep um so i've the, the recruiting process has changed over time um, to because we, we also home grow our talents. So we hire all our dispatch and resource allocation specialists from our call taker group. So it's a bit like um, the career paths once you've been a call taker um, are there before you. So we need to recruit people that could be good dispatchers as well, mm -hmm. that could be good team leaders and leaders of people. Um, so the selection process for call taker roles includes um, submitting an application online and we've started doing in the last year video interviewing, okay. which is really yeah. great. I mean, it's very hard. It's a bit like this where you're sort of talking to the air or you're talking to a screen or into a, into a microphone. Um, but it does let people um, have a really good think about what they want to say and it gives us a much better um, overview of what people are like. Um, if you think about call taking dispatch and working with call centres, people can't see you when you're talking. So yep. it is a little bit... Um, a little bit prophetic there. Um, so they do an online application which includes a video interview. They have to go through some psychometric assessments. Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. want to make sure that we've got people that um, have that internal resilience, yep. um, that we aren't going to cause them harm. Um, then there's an assessment centre half day session. Um, so everyone comes in and we do it in large groups um, and they basically get to have some experience of some triple zero calls and really think about whether this is a job they want to do. They get to see the rosters and, and that sort of stuff. And should they, so that's almost their interview with us. Yep. They come and see what it's really like before yep. they sign. Because you've got to remember people are leaving a job to come to this job. Yep. So you don't want to do that. Um, and we do have a dropout rate from the training. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we want to try and give everyone the best opportunity to make sure it's somewhere they actually would choose to work. But after the assessment half day session, then there's a panel interview. Yep. Yep. Um, and reference and pre-employment checks. So you have to pass fingerprinting national police checks. Right, right. So Damn sometimes it, I'll never be able to get a job here. <laughs> 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 I'm always a bit like, I'm always a bit glad when people people start, and thank you, when people start and you've got to, um, yeah, you've just got to have that conversation with them about, okay, well, and don't forget these are the entry requirements, and uh, if everyone's still keen after that assessment session, we'll be going to panel interviews, and then there's some people, oh, look, I'm just don't think the job's for me and you never really <laughs> yeah, know that's right. Why? if it's because they know their fingerprints <laughs> might pop up with something or whether they actually have listened to some calls and gone, you know what, I don't think I can do that 12 hours a day, yep, yep. day after day after yeah, day. Yeah. Well, hopefully you found that a really fascinating insight in terms of what S to do. But for, to end this particular podcast, what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave you with a real call um, to give you some context about just how amazing this job is that these guys really do. Now, make sure you subscribe to CX Hustle podcast as well because we've got part two coming up as well. And in part two, you're going to see uh, a little bit of a different uh, tax. We're going to be talking about uh, how they manage the training, their learning management system, performance reviews, um, how they support their staff, and even some things on the future around um, you know, video calls and omni-channel and hell, even drones um, that they're looking into. So uh, sit back, get some tissues ready, have a listen to this call, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again in episode two with Dr. Amy Morgans. Thanks for listening. Emergency services. 966114. Thanks, Telstra. Hello, caller. What address do you need the ambulance?
Um, yes. Okay, tell me exactly what happened. Um, my mum can't breathe. Okay, we'll organise her some help. Are you with her now? Yes. How old is she? How old's mum? I'm not sure. Can you tell me approximately? Do you know, is she 30, 40, 50, 20? How old's mum? I'm not old in. 37. 37. Is mum awake? Yes. Alright, we're organising her some help, alright, mate? Stay on the line for me. Okay. Is she completely alert? Yes. Is she changing colour? Uh, I'm not sure. Wait, let me go check. That's okay. Are you right next to mum at the moment? No, um, yes, I am. Okay, is mum changing colour? Um, no. No? Is she clammy? Um, yeah, she's trying, she's, I'm um, trying to breathe on the edge of her bed. Okay, is mum having cold sweats? Um, mum, I'm having cold sweats. Yes, she is. She is. And does she have asthma? Mum, do you have asthma? No, she doesn't. No? Alright, mate, I'm organising help for you now. Stay on the line, um, I'll tell you exactly what to do next. She, um, the doctor put her on Vertman last week. Okay, alright. If there's a defibrillator available, send someone to get it now in case we need it later. All right. Okay, yeah. She has the um, puffer. Okay. All right. Just advise her to continue using the medica medication as directed by her doctor. Okay. What's okay. your name? I'm twelve. Twelve. You're doing a great job. All right, mate. We've got some help all organised there for mum. So I just want you to reassure her that help's being arranged. Don't let her have okay. anything further to eat or drink, okay? Okay. It might make mum sick or cause problems for the doctor. Okay. Just let her rest in the most comfortable position and wait for help to arrive. But you may okay. find having mum sitting upright may assist with her breathing. Okay. Okay? Yep. Alright, could you stay on the line with you as long as I can? I want you to watch her very closely and look for any okay. changes. If she becomes less oh, awake... No, 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 no. What's happening there, Cooper? Oh, she just wants to go have a drink. Oh, okay. All right, um, I need to... I ne keep on taking the medicine and sit up straight. You're doing a great job there, Cooper, okay? I want you to watch her very closely for me and look for any changes. Okay. If she becomes less awake or she starts getting worse, tell me immediately. Yeah, she's getting worse right now. What's happening? What's happening, your Cooper? Hand, your hands are going tingly. Okay. Is she still awake? Yes. Is that She's panting very loud. All right. Cooper, is that tingling in both hands? Yes. Okay. All right. Is she still completely awake? Yes, and she's stressing. All right. I need you to watch her very closely and look for any changes for me. If she oh, becomes... Yeah, she's, Sorry. She's been sick for a very long time. Okay. All right, Cooper, if she becomes less awake or she starts getting worse, you need to tell me immediately, okay? Okay. they with you other than mum? Um, my little brother and sister. How old are they? Um, uh, her face is tingly as well. Okay. Um, my, my sister is 10 and my brother is 8. Okay. Do you have any pets in the house at all, Cooper? A bird. A bird. Alright, is that in a cage? Yes. Yeah, good. Alright, so did you say your sister was 10? Yes. Is she there with you at the moment? Yes. Alright, can I get you to stay with mum? What's your sister's yeah. name? To unlock the front door and open it up for the paramedics? Open the front door. 
All right. You're doing a great job. How's Mum going? Um, she's starting to get worse. Okay. What's getting worse there, Cooper? Um, she's panting. She's panting? Okay. Yes. You're doing a great job. Look, Cooper, the paramedics have marked arrive, so they should be out the front. When you hear okay. them arrive, don't leave Mum alone. Now, is the front door? Yes. All right, can you just tell her the paramedics are there and she can let them in? Um, okay. I don't want you to leave Mum alone, though. Uh, no, um, okay. Can you tell Janelle about leaving Mum no, I cannot. You can't, okay. That's okay. If, you, if she's gone to unlock the door, can yeah, you just stay with Mum? I think they're at the, at the um, door right now. All right. Just stay with Mum, okay? Okay. Keep watching her closely. Is Mum still awake? Yes. How's she going, okay, Cooper? They're, they're here. Are they inside with you? Yes. All right, mate. You've done a great job. I'll leave you with them. You take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Wow, hey? It's pretty hard to come up with words sometimes after you listen to uh, just how much of an amazing job those guys at Esther do. Um, now, make sure you subscribe to the CX Hustle podcast because we do have part two with Dr. Amy Morgan, uh, as I mentioned earlier, where we're going to cover off a whole bunch of different topics and you'll learn a little bit more uh, behind the scenes about uh, the Esther Contact Centre. Thanks for listening to this episode and we look forward to uh, talking to you again in episode two.